My brothers and sisters in the Lord, there's a wonderful story that took place in September of 1989. There was a young couple in North Carolina who was preparing to open their first restaurant. And so the building was ready, the equipment was ready, there was food in the freezers and the refrigerators, bushels of produce and bread, and everything was ready to go. In fact, they decided that they were going to name their little restaurant in this little town in North Carolina, My Place. And so, as they were preparing to open, they only had one hurdle to pass. The health inspector had to come out, clear the restaurant, so that the business permit could be issued. And then they could open their doors. And so they were expecting the individual to come to the next day from the health department to give his okay for the business permit to be issued. The only problem is, is that during that time in September of 1989, Hurricane Hugo hit the Atlantic coast. And Hurricane Hugo was so strong that even though this town was 200 miles inward, it suffered very heavy destruction. Uprooted trees and power lines, damage to homes and businesses. When the storm passed, the young couple ran to their restaurant and they found that everything was intact. No damage, not even a shingle was missing. And as they were there, a sheriff's deputy came to the building and he told the young couple that in this whole town there were only three places that had electricity. Their restaurant, the fire station next door, and a gas station a little ways down. And so they thought to themselves, this was a wonderful opportunity to be able to serve all these people who are going to be in need. So they telephoned the health inspector, who is from one of the larger cities, in order for him to come out or at least just give them the permit on a temporary basis. And the inspector said to them, as any good bureaucrat, can't do it. No electricity. There's issues in the roads, I can't come out, I can't issue a permit, no permit, no business, period. And so after they got off the phone, they began to think for a minute. And they said, well, we have all of this meat in the freezer and in the refrigerator. We have all of this produce and bread. Since we cannot sell it and open a business, we're just going to give it away. And so they told the sheriff's deputy, tell all of the first responders, police, firefighters, EMS, line workers, whoever it may be, to come to the restaurant and there'd be free coffee and BLTs for everyone who came. And so individuals began to come. And then early in the morning, they found out that the restaurant in the neighboring town that did have electricity decided that they were going to charge $25 a plate for two eggs, one strip of bacon, and a cup of coffee during this emergency. So then they put up a sign in their window, free coffee and BLTs to anyone who comes by. And the restaurant was packed with individuals, workers and families, individuals from the community. And all of a sudden, something happened. Because there were no employees. It was just the husband and the wife trying to run all this. But as things began to progress during the day, one individual picked up a rag and began to clean the tables and bust the tables, 
Someone else went in the kitchen and began to run the dishwasher for them. Individuals began to help in order to service all of these individuals. And then as other individuals heard what was going on here at my place, this little restaurant, since the neighboring town had very little destruction and they still had electricity, individuals began to bring over produce from their own homes and businesses, meats from their freezers, bushels of bread and other things. And by the end of the day, that little restaurant served 16,000 meals. They only had enough in their own storeroom for not even half of those amount of meals. They served 350 pots of coffee in addition to what they had on hand that morning. And hundreds of burgers with beef that they certainly didn't have in their freezer. You see, my brothers and sisters, that little story is a miracle. It's a miracle of love. In the gospel today, the feeding of these many individuals by Jesus, it is a miracle. It is a miracle of love. It is a prefiguration of Jesus' feeding here at this altar. Body, blood, soul, and divinity, which is a miracle of love. You see, my brothers and sisters, as we reflect on the gospel today, do we reflect on the power that that gospel has in our own lives, and do we reflect also on the call that Jesus is asking of each of us? The call and the commission in our own lives. All of these individuals, as we hear in the gospel, they've been following Jesus. As you remember, last week we heard Jesus said to them, or Jesus had pity on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So they continue to follow Jesus, and now it's evening time, and they're hungry. And so Jesus, he looks at Philip, and he says to Philip, or he asks Philip, where can we buy enough food for them to eat? Now, my brothers and sisters, put your place, or put yourself in Philip's place. When Jesus asked that question, he probably thought to himself, what? Are you out of your mind? Where are we going to find enough food for all these people to eat? I mean, there's no Chick-fil-A or Mickey D's or Burger King at the time. And then, he goes on. He answers Jesus. 200 days wages worth of food would not be enough for each of them to have a little. What is Philip saying? Jesus, even if we had takeouti, we don't have enough money in the treasury to pay for it. We don't have a credit card limit large enough to pay for it. That was Philip's response. And notice then Andrew comes on the scene. Remember, Andrew is the brother of Simon Peter, and Andrew is the one who brought Peter to Jesus. And Andrew notices something. Andrew said to Jesus, here is a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. Andrew noticed this little boy who had five loaves and two fish. Now, certainly, my brothers and sisters, we have to remember the context of the time. In the context of the time, children were not even noticed, much less being considered when a decision is being made. 
But Andrew notices the boy, and he notices he has something to offer. But do you see how the devil begins to creep in? Because after he says that, we have that wonderful word, but, but. Here is a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good are these for so many? My brothers and sisters, how many times are we like that? God has given us A, B, and C, but we don't know exactly what X, Y, and Z is going to be, so then comes the but. I have A, B, and C, but Lord, I don't have X, Y, and Z. That's how the devil creeps in. We call it doubt. It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of trust. But Jesus uses that gift, the five loaves, the two fish, in order to feed the multitude. My brothers and sisters, we are reminded that that little boy, and we don't know his name, and it's very interesting, it's only in St. John's Gospel that we have the story where it is referred to as a little boy. The feeding of the multitudes found in all the Gospels, but only here is it noted as a little boy. But you see, my brothers and sisters, all of us have something to offer Jesus, beginning with a child. A child has something to offer Jesus. And oftentimes, my friends, it is the child whose great faith, whose great trust is an example for all of us. It is why the church has considered her ministry and education and formation to children to be so important since the early ages of the church. Because children have something to offer Jesus. I often like this little quote. I'm not sure where it comes from. But this is what it says. When God wants a great work done in the world, or a great wrong writing, he goes about it in a very unusual way. He doesn't stir up his earthquakes or send for his thunderbolts. Instead, he has a helpless baby born, perhaps in a simple home, to obscure parents. And then God puts the idea into a mother or father's heart, and they put the idea into the child's heart and his mind. And then God waits. The greatest force in the world are not the earthquakes or the thunderbolts. The greatest force in the world is how God will use young children. Let the children come to me and do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Our children have something to offer Jesus. Now don't think you're off the hook because you're 80 years old. So let the children do it. All of us, my friends, have something to offer Jesus. Whether we're five or eight, whether we're 60 or 65 or 50 or 80 or going into our 90s, all of us have something to offer Jesus in our lives, whatever that looks like, our five loaves and our two fish. But do we trust enough to be able to give it to Jesus so that he can multiply it and use it in our life? Because you see, my brothers and sisters, during the offertory procession, when we bring the gifts forward, the bread and wine, when we bring those gifts forward, we are offering ourselves to God. Everything that we are and everything that we have, we're saying, Lord, I want to give it to you. Even our trials and tribulations, our problems and our sorrows, we bring it all to this altar so that the Lord can raise it up because he's going to use it. No matter how difficult it may be, no matter how hard it may be, God is going to find a way to bring good from it. But we have to give it to Him. 
do we do that? It's like the story of a young missionary woman, her name was Evelyn, and Evelyn was born in the early 1900s, like 1908, 1909. And she always had this desire as she grew up, she wanted to be a missionary. And she wanted to go to India. Well, in the 1900s, women did just not travel on their own to another country, it just didn't happen. And so she married a man by the name of Jesse. And Evelyn and Jesse both felt called to be missionaries, so they both went to India. And they began their missionary work, and for the first few years, they were very discouraged. Because as, as they proclaimed the gospel, they had very few converts, very few people who even just wanted to listen in this little rural area where they were. Where they were. Until all of a sudden, the tribal priest became ill. And when the tribal priest became ill, nobody in the village would go near him. Because they didn't want to become ill. The only two people who would care for him were Jesse and Evelyn. And while he was dying, he said that there is only one true God, and that is the God that you worship, speaking to Jesse and Evelyn. Because you see, all of these people, they all are not coming anywhere around, but you two came to take care of me. And after that, Certainly, that was a turning point for their missionary efforts. And for many years later, they continued to be missionaries in India. Until all of a sudden, when Evelyn was about 50, her husband died. And everyone expected her to return back to her homeland of England, but she didn't. She stayed there in India. And she continued for another 20 years until she was 70. And when she was 70, everybody thought, well, she's going to retire now. But she didn't. You know what she did? She got herself a pony. Instead of walking from village to village, she sat on that pony, she rode from village to village. At 75, she fell off the pony and she broke her hip. Everyone said she's going to go home to England. She didn't. She stayed on that pony and she continued to ride from village to village until she was 92. And when she was 92, she couldn't get on the pony anymore. So she had people carry her in a stretcher from village to village to village until she died at 95 years old there in India. You see, my brothers and sisters, it's just a little story of a person who gave God their five loaves and two fish, and God used it to form a miracle. The same is true for each of us, my brothers and sisters. Because you see, at the end of the gospel, they want to make Jesus a king. But Jesus knew they were thinking about an earthly king. He didn't want to rule over an earthly kingdom. He wanted to rule over their hearts. And that's what the Lord wants to do today as we come to this altar to be fed by his body, blood, soul, and divinity so that we can be sent forth. Because all the gifts that we have, God has given us, and he asks us to use them and bring them forth into the world for the good of his people, for the good of the church, for the good of our families, for the good of all those around us. When I was in business school at Loyola there, was a common phrase that was often used. And the phrase was this. What is in your wheelhouse? What is in your wheelhouse? It goes back to the time when ships certainly were much more popular as a mode of transportation. And the wheelhouse is exactly what it is. It is the little house, the bridge, that housed the wheel of the ship. And so, what is in your wheelhouse meant the notion that the captain, in order to guide the ship, he needed the wheel. 
That was what the wheelhouse was for. When we asked that question in business school, what is in your wheelhouse, it was referring to your gifts, your capabilities, what the Lord has given you that you're able to use. That's what's in your wheelhouse. And so my question to you today, my friends, is this. What is in your wheelhouse that you can give to Jesus? What are the five loaves and two fish that you can bring forward to this altar and give to the Lord? Your time, your talent, your treasure. What is the Lord asking of you that you can do for him? And oftentimes we say, Lord, I don't have time. I don't have this. I don't have that. Because when we do that, my friends, you know what God does? He does two things. He takes our gifts and he magnifies them and he multiplies them. And he magnifies them and he multiplies them for the good of the kingdom. But he's not going to force us to give, us, to give him his gifts. It's got to be given out of love. What is in your wheelhouse, my friends, that you can offer to the Lord Jesus? Because all that we have and all that we are, all of those things are God's gift to us. And the way we use them, the way we enhance them, the way we make them work for the church, for the building of God's kingdom, for all humankind, that is our gift back to God. My friends, don't make it any less than the perfect gift.